Hey there, and welcome to Shop Talk, the real estate show. I'm Brett Van Alstein, and on today's episode, we're joined by Chris Craddock. Chris Craddock is the founder and CEO of the Redux Group, a top performing brokerage in the DMV market. He's also the creator of REI Revive, an agent program that coaches real estate agents on closing sales and growing their businesses. Finally, Chris is the co-host of the podcast, Uncommon Real Estate, a podcast focused on educating real estate agents that are also investors. Today, we discuss Chris's journey to success, why personal growth is essential for business growth, and the importance of having a momentous start to the day through morning routines. Hey, Chris, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast today and joining me. Absolutely. Glad to be here, Brett. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this, we're really excited to you know talk about real estate investing and all of the different ventures you have going on and how you can kind of help real estate agents in the market today. So for our listeners, you are a nationally certified life coach and leadership, a top performing real estate professional, a host of the Uncommon Real Estate Podcast, and an entrepreneur. When and where did all this you know crazy career start for you? You know, I started off, I graduated from college in 2000 and went on staff with an organization called Young Life. I loved Young Life, changed my life. It was amazing. Um, I made $20,000 a year though. (laughs) And it was really, really difficult. And so when my wife got pregnant in 2003, I went to the library and checked out every book on investing and actually made 12 times what I made in a year in about four months, which allowed me to continue doing the ministry thing. Um, But then during that time, I always led large, large teams in ministry. And I, I'd gone back to, I'd love leading people. I loved helping people accomplish goals. And so I'd gone back to school. I got a doctorate in leadership. And um, uh, I guess in 2011, like basically the money started running out again when I had more sure. kids. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I ended up uh, flipping houses again. And, and since I had led large, large groups of people, somebody gave me Gary Keller's book, The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. And I read it and it just struck a chord with me. And, um, you know, I love what Zig Ziglar says. You can have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want in life. And whether that's being a team leader and that and your clients are your agents or whether you are the agent and your client is the seller or buyer, mm-hmm. you know, if you help people get what they want in life, that's, that's how you get what you want in life. And it made sense to me. And so we started just running and building the team. I think it was December, 2014 that we really started uh, actually building the team instead of just doing it for our investment uh, arm. And yeah, last year we did 167 million, both on and off market and in volume and um, 501 transactions. That's crazy. Wow. Um, and, you, and you really, once you kind of figured it out and found the path that you wanted to, you know, strive for, you really just dove head first. Yeah. I, you know, everybody, all my friends and family, they joke, I've only got one speed. I'm like, all in. <laughs> I was just, I was thinking that in my head, I'm like, this man just goes, he doesn't have any other speed he's going on. <laughs> so yeah. you would, you had just mentioned, you know, the success that your company has seen this past year doing um, $167 million in sales. Uh, why do you think you and your company have seen such success? And how does this, you know, how does this make you feel seeing all this return come back on your sweat equity? Well, I mean, there's a handful of different um, different things. So each level of success mm-hmm. um, required a different way of thinking. So, uh, you know, I do a lot of coaching of, of agents 
And what I say is, if you're an individual agent doing less than 25 deals a year, and I know this is going to offend you that, that I'm saying this, and I'm sorry, I hope you still like me, but if not, I hope you take to heart what I'm saying, is if you're doing less than 25 deals a year, I think you need to work harder. That, that's just where, where it is. It's, it, you're not making enough calls. You're afraid to pick up the phone and you just need to smile and dial and, and, and call more and more and more people. And at the same time, I think that every single, whether you're doing one deal or whether you're doing a thousand deals, I think that everybody should spend between half an hour and an hour a day investing in yourself, um, which is, you know, listening to podcasts like this or something of that nature. You know, you're, the two ways to win is activity and skill. So early on, um, I'll tell you, you know, for me, when I first started, I was just like, there's not a day that's going to go by that I'm not going to get a lead referral or appointment. So some days it's like 9.30 a.m. and I get my lead referral or appointment. And I'm like, man, I might be the best that's ever done this. And then the next day that goes by, um, it's like 6.30 at night and I've been calling and everybody's been telling me no all day. And I'm like, man, I might be the worst that's ever done this. Right? <laughs> but it cuts both ways, right? Like, sure. it, you know, as long as, as long as if you quit the day and say, I won my day when you got your lead referral or appointment, then, you know, after like 5 p.m., you can't just say, well, I call it a day. No, you just got to keep going. I remember Gary Keller used to call it um, sleeping bag days. You know, you, you bring your sleeping bag to the office and you just don't leave until you get it done. And uh, the funny thing is I, I talked to, um, one of my good buddies, you know, successfully clues. And so my, my buddy who does a ton of business, I, I gave him a call. I'd gotten home. I was cooking, I was grilling. And, and he called me about uh, something because I called him earlier and I was like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, well, I just finished an appointment, but uh, um, I'm heading back to the office. I was like, why are you heading back to the office? He's like, I didn't get my deal today. I didn't get my, you know, I didn't get my, uh, <laughs> my lead referral or appointment. And I was like, all right, good man. Good man. Like, good on you. <laughs> um, and so that, that's the deal. If you're, you're less than 25 now at 25, when you start hitting your head against the wall, um, at that point you need an assistant, right? That's when you need to start doing, having other people do the things that you are doing that you're probably, maybe you're good at admin stuff, but like you really need to stop doing the admin stuff because, um, other people can do it for you. And I've got a big sign in my office that says, are you in your genius zone? You need to start working to be in your genius zone. So we've heard the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. Well, 20% of all your uh, reward comes from 80, or sorry, 80% of your reward comes from 20% of your effort. Um, but uh, so, um, <laughs> so if you think about it, let's just say, because it makes the math easy, um, let's just say you make $100,000 sure. a year. That means, uh, $80,000 comes from 20% of your work. And if you work five days a week, that means one day a week's effort creates $80,000. So when you go to the next level from 25 to 50 and you want to start making more money, then you need to find the things that you're doing in that one day of work that is so valuable. And, and I'll tell you what it is right now. It's being in front of people, right? And so when you're sitting there writing up your listing agreement, when you're writing up your buyer broker agreement, when you're writing up, um, when you're putting stuff in the MLS, when you're dropping off lockbox, that, that is your, that is the 80% that gets you the 20% result. And so when you hire somebody else to do that, and then you get in front of people, that's when your income goes up. So, so that's where leverage happens right there. And then when you want to go above 50, you need to get somebody to start working with buyers for you. And then you, then you start, uh, then you outsource the, the, the listings. If after you 
you go from like a hundred to 200, 300, 400, and then you just start, you know, that's when you just turn the dial up once you got the right people in and do that. So that's, that was kind of the, uh, I gave a long, long answer for the question you asked, but that was kind of what I saw as I leveled up each time. Um, I heard a friend of mine use the phrase new levels, new devils. And so every time we would level up, we would hit like, you know, new devils, new, new problems that you have to deal with. And then how do you solve those problems? And so for me, I feel like I could drop in any, any town in America right now. And I could probably do about 75% of what I'm doing now, because I understand that at a granular level, but about 25% of, of what we're doing, I, I still, I'm doing it by, you know, just instinct, but I don't understand it at a granular level level. And so that's where we, as as agents need to realize, okay, what is it that gets us the success we have, turn up the dial on those things, and then start getting ourselves out of the places that are bottlenecking us and keeping us go to that next level. Sure. Well, and that makes complete sense, you know, and I think it ultimately, it sounds like when you're hitting these different tiers and you're wanting to move on to the next level, what is holding you back ultimately is that kind of that time investment of, do I need to be spending time doing this right now? Are there better things that I could be doing with my time? And it sounds like, you know, having that face-to-face interaction is really the, the most valuable. Yeah. Until, until you get to a place where you're going to level up to that, that next, that next level where you kind of begin to work mm-hmm. on the business rather than in the business. And about two years ago, I spent part of the reason we had a big leveling up was because I spent so much time and trying to learn leverage at a high, high level. And I'll, I'll give you a handful of books that I, I literally just dove into and read like nonstop. One is called, if you're already of that. Um, no, please, please do. I'll make sure I have a, on the, on the webpage, I'll have all these listed out with links and everything. Um, but please, yeah, that the yeah, list so is awesome. One of them please is uh, called Clockwork. It's written by the same guy that wrote Profit First. And one of the things there that I really loved okay. is he said, if you want to level up, um, get a sticky pad. And every time you do anything for two weeks, you just write down what your activity was and it's posted on the wall. And then at the end of two weeks, start breaking it out and say, what is the stuff that I should not be doing? And then put that on somebody else's plate. So that was, uh, that was one of them. And then uh, the book Scrum, how to do twice as much in half the time. I think that was really, really powerful. The 12 week year is again, another one, because a lot of times we get to the end of the year and we don't hit our goals and we're like, dang it, maybe next year. And you don't realize if you break it down into small little pieces, you win. One of the things I like to say is, you know, to win your year, you got to win the quarter to win the quarter. You got to win the month to win the month. You got to win the week to win the week. You got to win the day to win the day. You got to win the morning. And so when you break it down, your goals down to the irreducible minimums, then you realize, okay, if every single day I get my win, you know, like that, leave referral or appointment, then I know at the end of the year, I'm going to look back and say, okay, I won. I won. I, I, I got, I hit my goals because I did what I needed every day. So, um, so scrum 12 week year, uh, EOS traction is another really massively great book. And then, um, the last one, this is a new one. So, um, I just read this a few months ago that was really great, but it wasn't in that like short period where I was just going up, but I, I it's just so, so good. Dan Sullivan's who, not how, um, which is, you know, you don't have to know how to do everything if you find the right who that knows how. Like, And I'll tell you, you want to talk to me about admin stuff? 
I'm not the guy, if you open up my underwear drawer, it's not organized by color and it's not all folded, right? But I guarantee you, uh, David and Lena, you open up their sock drawer, their underwear drawer, whatever, it is gonna be like perfectly organized and that's not me. So to have a big structure <laughs> like this, you need to have the right who that, that thinks like that and let them do that so that I can do what I do well. So it sounds like, I mean, you're obviously a go-getter. Um, you're talking about starting the morning strong. What does the average day look like for Chris Credit? Yeah, so I'll wake up. Um, depending on the day, I've got I got a couple different um, things. Anywhere from uh, it's either five five or six six p.m. six eight p.m. Man, that'd be great. Uh, six a.m. <laughs> um, you know, I've got a like I'll tell you the biggest leveling up early on was was having a morning routine. Right, success leaves clues. And everybody that I follow, everybody that I listen to, and somebody's going to tell me at some point, some guy that like rolls out of bed at 10 and, uh, you know, other than like a rock star, right? Like somebody that rolls out of yeah. bed at 10, that's like massively successful. Um, but I, I'm yet, I've yet to find that person. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I'm naturally a night person and I'm a great salesperson. So I sell myself on my own BS, which is part of the reason why for so long I didn't do the mornings, um, because, you know, I was like, oh, I'm more creative at night, sitting on my computer in my underwear. I'm so much better. I'm, I'm not interrupted. My kids aren't running in here. You know, I'm mm-hmm. I'm not tired. I'm not exhausted. All it's bogus. It's bogus, right? Here's yep, the thing. Yep. Hey, success leaves clues. All these people that are so much more successful than me and so much more successful than anybody listening to this podcast, they all have morning routines without doubt. I have people uh, like successful agents from across the country uh, teach my team on Friday mornings and do trades with, with other uh, big agents. And uh, on Friday mornings, one of the questions I always ask is what's your morning routine? I never give them a heads up that I'm going to ask it, but every single time I have a successful agent on there, they always have a really strong morning routine. Um, it just without fail, success leaves clues. So I wake up, I, uh, I write down my goals because anytime you get into a malaise or, or kind of feel like you're, you're not motivated, it means that you're not close enough to your goals. And I'll tell mm-hmm. you, if, if you feel that way now, you should really spend some time and unpack that because that was really, really important to me. Um, then I'm a Christian guy. So I read my Bible every morning. I pray for the people in my life that I care about and the, the people in my team that they'll, they'll have favor and success and blessings. Um, I go downstairs in my basement. I work out every morning because I think you got to feed your body to be, uh, to be ready. You know, one of the habits of uh, uh, Brendan Burchard says uh, in the high performance habits that a high, high performer creates energy. And I'm naturally a high energy person. But I'll tell you, if I don't feed my body and, and make my body right, then I'm not going to be able to, to impart energy into the people that, that I need to have energy um, in my organization for us to hit the goals that we have. So I work out. And at the same time, I, I am always listening to a podcast or an audiobook because I do believe your business grows to the extent that you grow. And so I want to be also feeding my mind. I think about the athlete right before their game, they're getting in the zone, right? That's what I'm doing in the morning. I'm, I'm working out, getting in the zone. I'm listening to something that makes me excited makes me like ready to go, you know, just, just get into it. I go up, um, I'll have breakfast, uh, oftentimes with some of my kids. Um, you know, I'll take a shower while I take a shower. I'm listening to something again, an audible book or, or something to really get me going. And then, uh, I'll have like a five minute morning huddle with my wife before I get into my team's morning huddle. And uh, we went from having a couple trainings a week uh, to last year during COVID when we were looking at the world thinking it was going to shut down. And I looked at the Navy SEALs and the Navy SEALs 
Um, they say that you'll never rise to the level of your aspirations. You're always going to fall to the level of your training. And so we raise the level of our training so that every morning we have a training with our team. Um, and so I teach that training three mornings a week and uh, somebody else on the team teaches once. And then I get an outside speaker to teach one morning a week as well. And uh, so that our team is always, always working to level up as a group. And, uh, and then we go get at it, right? Whatever my, uh, yeah. whatever my rock is, my goal for the day, I just go at it. And I, I really work to get that done before the, before the afternoon happens. I mean, that's a jam-packed day, but it certainly seems like over, you know, the lifespan of your career that you've certainly molded it. And I'm sure that wasn't the day one routine that you had going, but you found that as you went. Um, but it's important, you know, for agents that are listening in and um, that are kind of struggling and maybe wanting to figure out how to get that jump start to, you know, hear yourself talk about, you know, it's just those little nuggets of information that are almost um, those lessons that don't have to be learned the hard way when you have so much resource and there's so much information out there on what very successful people are doing. And like you had said, every single one of those people have a morning routine to build that momentum and get the day started. Yeah. You know, um, Keith Cunningham wrote a book, the road less stupid and Keith Cunningham is, uh, he is the rich dad from uh, rich dad, poor dad. Oh, like Robert Keith sure. Yep. Um, and so in his book, it's so funny. Like I, I always talk about this in my, uh, um, over my, with my team, I'm like, man, don't pay the stupid tax, right? If you make the same mistake that you know better, like one, you could be wise and learn from other people, or you can make the same mistake. And that's just a stupid tax and you pay a price for it. And so if you see across the board that all the successful people are doing the same things, then why are you going to think that you're better than them? You know better than them. There's laws in the universe. And when you follow those laws, it works. After the break, we'll learn more about REI Revive, Chris's approach to coaching and training his team, and the lessons he's learned throughout his career in real estate investment. Setting goals for yourself is crucial to attaining success in your professional career. This takes a hard work ethic, a strong morning routine, and an investment of your time and energy. That's why agents who value their time choose to learn online with the CE Shop. Our 100% online curriculum lets you learn what you need to succeed when it fits your schedule. Enroll in our mobile-friendly courses today and save 25% with promo code SHOPTALK. So we were just talking earlier about this, but um, tell me more about REI Revive. Um, this seems to be your new kind of your new passion. Uh, what or how can this, you know, help real estate agents and overall, what is your vision for REI Revive? Yeah, so REI Revive is a coaching firm. So one of the things that happened with me was um, between my third year and fourth year in business, um, I mm -hmm. it was the smallest growth we ever had. And so I listened to a guy that I respect tremendously. And uh, one of the things he said, he had this, a similar like hard stop in that same amount of volume. And he said, the problem was he was just working so much harder to get another deal, to get another deal. And that's what I was doing too. I was just trying to get the next deal, the next deal. But at some point 
me as the owner of the team, the, the leader of the team, or that person, my job is to make it rain, right? Which, uh, you know, is, is the thing. And so I started, like, I heard yeah, yeah. the idea, Chris, you no longer, this is what I was said. You no longer yeah. can go after that thing. They'll get you the next one deal, the next, uh, you know, cause every time you get one deal, that's, that's a limited amount of time. But again, you need to level up and go after places where you can get another one relationship, can get five deals, can get 10 deals, can get 50 deals. And so I started thinking, I'm like, okay, where are places that I can get 10 deals, 50 deals from one relationship? Okay, builders are one. And I'm like, but I don't know that many builders. So that's, and that's not like my wheelhouse, although now I own a construction company as well. So it probably could be now, but, uh, uh, but uh, that wasn't at the time my wheelhouse. So I was like, well, what do I know? And I'm like, investors, I know, <laughs> I know about investors. And so I could work with with flippers and help them find a house and help them flip it. And that's two deals right there. Or the other side of it is what about these flippers or these investors that are spending so much money to bring in leads so that they could, could do it? Like if you look on any TV commercial during daytime TV, you'll see a We Buy Houses group, right? Um, you'll see them all over the place. Well, what do they do with the leads that they can't that they can't close. Well, all of them have tried to work with an agent. All of them have given stuff to an agent. They have a terrible closing rate. Um, but I knew for me personally, because I came from that background, I could close that at a high level. And so I, I built out something with this investment group where I was just closing them at a massively high level where they send me stuff. I would close them. I send them a referral fee because they had a licensed agent in their organization. And, and I realized that across the country, these investors have tried this and it just, they couldn't get it done. And so um, we had a template where I started doing it myself. And then I taught a bunch of my agents on my team, how to close, like what the scripting is, what the dialogue is. Um, the fact that these people that want to talk to it, to an investor, they literally have a different mindset than somebody that says, Hey, come and list my house. They, they literally have a straight, their mindset is different. And so when I, we learned the scripting and the objections for those objection handlers where they say, I don't want to talk to an agent. Um, then we were able to uh, build this out. And so that's the program that I, that I built out is teaching uh, investors and agents how to monetize those leads that have been just sitting dead in the CRMs of these investors. And it certainly seems obviously there's a market for it. And I'm sure that this is almost a universal struggle that people have run into and kind of often leads them or leaves them scratching their heads thinking, gosh, what do we do with, you know, we have all this sitting here, all this sitting potential, but what are we going to do with it? Um, and you obviously figuring out a way to take advantage of those and leverage those given your experience um, is pretty remarkable as far as you kind of just finding that niche and then knowing how to uh, um, approach it, let's say. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's the whole thing. If you, if you really believe as a real estate agent, that if you want to build out a massive organization, you have to get uh, listings so that you can mm -hmm. leverage those for marketing reasons, then it's just, it's just incredible because these people are paying tens of thousands of dollars every month to bring in sellers that are raising their hands saying, I want to sell. And then you're able to just take those and, and turn them into mm -hmm. listings. Um, the ones that they can't do, it's, it's just, it's a no-brainer. It's it's a win-win. Right, right. So your focus certainly seems to be on helping agents, you know, earn success and create their their, their own real estate business. Um, what is a solid foundation? Do you think um, for anyone that's kind of wanting to break into that space? 
which part the uh like a team leader agent investor like what what piece are you i guess um so when you're talking about rei (laughs) revive and helping agents um create these partnerships with real estate investors uh is there one side that you focus more on or is it more about the networking and the connecting um and how to kind of communicate with the two parties or are you focusing on one party yeah so the the real key here is teaching them how to um so rei revive it starts off it teaches the investor how to look at these leads how to make a decision tree when to pass off um what the scripting is because if you say hey you want to talk to a real estate agent they all do that they don't it's terrible like i mean 50 percent of our deals we would have never talked to if they say hey you want to talk to a real estate agent so all that stuff just you, you work on your scripting i'll tell you um words have meaning the way that we say things have meaning and if you are skilled at how you communicate you're going to sell a whole heck of a lot more houses and the problem is a lot of people um they just think hey i'll just throw it out there and if they don't want to talk to an agent then they don't want to do it but the reality is most of these people are going to sell mm-hmm. with an agent and if you're a high producer man it you know if i'm if i'm a great baseball player and i'm a competitive baseball player give me an at bat right give me out there let me take a swing and so that's the uh that's the whole key there but then um for agents once they're in they've got to understand that these people raise their hand to talk to an investor they want convenience they they need to sell fast maybe they maybe they don't think their house will sell in the mls um maybe they don't want people coming through it like like there's five reasons essentially why they want to talk to an investor and so if you know how to speak to those reasons if you know how to speak to who they are and that all comes to the psychology of somebody that says i'm willing to sell my house to an investor for less than it's worth because I want convenience or I think that one of these other reasons is true. And so if you can help them realize that they can probably make more money than they, uh, than they originally were thinking and they can, they can get their problem solved, then you can make a fortune because you just, you know, set them up over and over again and just sign them up. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's really just being able to recognize those opportunities and then obviously taking advantage of those opportunities and being able to communicate that to both parties um so they under they see the the win for them in each so uh what are some skills do you think real estate agents possess um if they were interested in you know kind of expanding and exploring and wanting to reach these new tiers um and those new levels and hitting those devils what are some uh, skills that you think most real estate agents possess that would help yeah yeah so I would say this, um, for me personally, there is a couple things that, that I do. If you want to, if you want to grow a team, if you, if you're looking to grow a team, which I think is what you're asking right now, um, two things need to happen. One, you need to be massively, massively working on your personal growth because otherwise, um, if you bring people in and they're, you know, they're growth minded people, and you're not growing every single day, they're going to outgrow you and they're not going to want to be in your world anymore. So for me personally, one of the things I do, I said, I wake up and I write down my goals and I pray for the people in my world. One of the things I do is is think about how I can grow because I personally know that if I don't grow, so I'll give an example. I've got a good friend of mine. He's a, uh, he's an agent. He has a small team. He probably makes like, you know, five, $600,000 a year, which is a very good amount of money for somebody to make. And I was talking to him about like growth and he's like, Chris, I don't need to grow anymore. I want to do, I want to be exactly where I'm at. And uh, he's like, 
he's like, I don't need any more money. I'm, I'm totally good, which is weird because most people don't say that, but I, I respect him for saying that. But what I did say sure. was I, I said, Hey, you lead a team, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, I understand that you don't need any more money, but let me ask this. Are the agents on your team totally happy? Have they made as much money as they need to make? Or, or would they be happier if they made more money? And he's like, oh, they'd probably be happier if they made more money. And I was like, well, then you deciding that you don't want to grow anymore is, is kind of selfish because these people have put their trust in you to lead them. And you're saying that you're no longer wanting to grow or spend the time to grow because of the fact that you're, you're in a good place, but they're not where they want to go. You're letting them down. And I don't think that that's, that's a good leader. And he, he's, he's a friend of mine. So he, he took it the way I meant it, which was not like in your face right. to be like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not trying to hammer him. I'm, I'm just saying, Hey, you want to be better. You know, this, this is it. Like, you know, treat your people well. And part of treating your people well is, is to grow and give them more opportunities. And so for me, I think part of the reason I've got so many people on my team right now that are such high level people. I mean, literally you spend just a little bit of time with them and you're like, Holy crap. I, I, I just can't even believe that I'm, I'm as blessed as I am to be in business with these many great people. Um, but I also know that five years ago, these people would have, they probably would have been my friends, but I don't think they would have trusted me with their future. I don't think they would have trusted me with, with their team because I wasn't the person to manage that yet. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, if I stop where I am today within the next couple of years, they'll outgrow me and, and they'll probably be my friends still, but they're not going to want to be on my team or trust me for the future. So that's where if you want to have high level people, you got to continue to grow and you got to continue to think, how can I make my world bigger so that nobody hits a glass ceiling and their world stops growing? Hmm. That's an interesting point you brought up. And um, I guess I never really, you, your example about your friend, I'd never thought about it from that perspective as far as being a leader um, obviously wanting to, you have that trust from the people that work for you and work around you. And part of that trust is making sure that they feel like they're not breaking through that ceiling and they're not hitting their limit and that they're obviously wanting to, you know, continue to be go-getters and go out and hustle and, um, ultimately grind for that to become better people and, you know, see more success. So looking back at your career, what is one thing you wish you could go back and change or do differently? I don't know, because everything that's happened to me, like there's, man, I'll tell you, there was one point in time, um, which I didn't get into too much, but I definitely got in over my head on the investor side. And, um, you know, I, I saw that we had a lot of success and, and I was really good at finding off market deals, finding deals. So I just kept uh, buying them and buying them and buying them. And to the point that I had too many to be able to, to turn over in a good amount of time. And it cost me a whole lot of time, money. Heck, my hair was starting to fall out. I was grinding my teeth. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was crazy. And we got out of it. And I look back and I'm like, man, how much further ahead would I have been if like, I mean, literally it was, it cost me $660,000 um, to get out of that. Um and I was like, how much further ahead would I be for that? But also that time made me the man that I am today. So um, one of my mentors says this, they said, never trust somebody that doesn't walk with a limp. And I was like, dang, that's, that's really great. And, and honestly, one of my good friends, um, he's investing in these syndications. Um, and I talked to the guy that run that was running this syndication. It's, it's for a, uh, apartment complexes. And the guy is investing at such a low cap rate, um, which is, you know, capitalization rate. Um, you know, the return was very low. And I was like, well, what happens if 
what happens if the market turns with the rate like this? And he's like, it won't, you know, we're buying at a, at a good enough place. We're, we're totally fine. And I'm like, you know, your, your rates are really terrible. And so, so I said, how long have you been doing this? And he's been only doing it for three years. So, so I'm like, yeah, your only, your only frame of reference is in the hottest real estate market in the, in the history of time. And you're saying it's not going to turn. That's just, mm-hmm. that's just bad, bad, bad um, business advice. And so I look at that and I'm like, part of it is because I had things go wrong that I think that I'm, I'm being pretty conservative on my investments where I'm putting my money, what I'm doing. Um, but I'm also, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still like, you can tell, like I'm an aggressive guy that's building the, like I want to go build and take territory and all the other stuff. But I also know that if that didn't happen to me, I'd probably be making a lot more riskier financial uh, decisions. I mean, I just had a couple big investment opportunities that I could throw money at, but like, I'm just like, yeah, I don't understand it well enough to throw that, that kind of money at, but if that other stuff didn't happen, I would. So all of this to say, you know, I'm, I'm just really thrilled with the place I am in life right now. And uh, um, even though I've had some really bad things happen, I think they shaped me and, and built the character that I have right now. So I, I don't know that I'd really change anything at this point. That's awesome though. I mean, I mean, and I think that that's a testament to not only yourself, but kind of where you're at in life and, um, being able to see that entire picture and have that sort of, um, outside perspective on, on your own life and kind of, um, how you've made the strides to where you're today. And if you didn't have that sort of skin in the game, you certainly wouldn't be able to recognize maybe other opportunities that you made the same mistakes prior. I will say this, if you would have asked me, um, during the time it was all going on, I would have told you I would have wanted to change it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> here's, here's one of the things, you know, I've got six kids and, and I work hard to, to try to be a good dad to those six kids. And one of the things I've learned, we've all heard about the caterpillar, right? Like a caterpillar is in a cocoon. And when it comes out of the cocoon, it's struggling like crazy to get out of that cocoon. And uh, if you were to take a little knife and open the cocoon a little bit, make it easier for the caterpillar, its wings wouldn't have gotten strong enough and it wouldn't be able to fly and it would die, right? So the struggle is what makes the the butterfly what it is. And it it requires struggle um, because that struggle is what solidifies and steals the soul for for the rest of our future. And so that's, that's one of those things there. But man, like some of you that are listening to this right now are in the midst of the mess and I'm sure you would give anything to get out of it. But I promise you, you look five years, you get, you get ahead five years, you get out of the middle of the, out of the middle of the belly of the beast. And you'll look back and say, man, I'm, I'm really thankful for the person, the man or the woman I've become because of the hard times. That's awesome. Well, I think that that's a, a great note to end this episode on. And Chris, if you um, want to point our listeners into any direction, if you want them to check out REI Revive, or check out your real estate group um, or, you know, any other ventures that you're working on right now that you'd like to give a quick shout out on, please do. Yeah. So, um, uh, REI Revive, if you're interested, either me or somebody on our team, will give you a call and see if this is a good fit for you. Just go to my name, chriscraddick.com and, um, just click the apply button and, uh, we'll, we'll reach out and see if it's a good fit for you. I mean, it may not be, but it, but if it is, you know, I'd love to help you uh, accomplish those goals. Um, to, 
Um, early on in my career, anybody I liked their vibe, I would reach out to them when they were on podcasts. And sometimes they made it harder and sometimes they made it easier. <laughs> what I've done is uh, I just said, like, at least for this point in my life, um, I'm going to reply to every DM on Instagram. So if you go to my Instagram, wow. at Cradrock, C-R-A-D-D-R-O-C-K, not my last name, but an old cheesy high school nickname, at Cradrock. Um, then, uh, if you send me a DM, I'll reply, you know, I, I do get a bunch of them, so it may not be within like 24 hours, but give me a couple of days and, and you'll get a response back. Um, I'd love to help you any way I can. And then three, the last thing is, um, I know that the average podcast listener listens to seven podcasts. So keep listening to this one, but I'd love to be one of the other seven. And so I have a podcast called uncommon real estate. And uh, the whole idea behind it is for the agent who is also an investor. So we work on things to be better as an agent, but we also talk about how to invest because I really do believe one of the biggest problems with real estate agents today is that they're only looking towards the next transaction and not looking to build wealth. And the only way to build wealth is to uh, is to buy properties and invest in real estate. And you're an expert. You, you need to be investing in, in a, the area you're an expert. So that's it. Awesome. Cool. Well, I'll make sure to, um, I'll have links out to all that. I'll make sure to plug your podcast, plug your Instagram and, you know, any other, uh, links and profiles that you have going on right now. So thank you very much. Thanks so much. This has been awesome. It's been fun. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe to us and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Shop Talk is a production of the CE Shop.